Well, thank you, Brother Terry. You know what salvation's done for me. Well, I hope you can give testimony of that, what salvation's done for you in your life. I mean, just to have the peace knowing that one day this life is going to be over with and uh, we'll have a home in heaven. That's great peace. There is a peace with God and there is a peace of God. The peace with God comes at the point that you ask Christ to forgive you and to come into your life and save you. Because, you see, you're, at a, you're in battle with God at this time if you're not a Christian. And there's a major battle going on in your life. But when you surrender your life to Christ, then you have peace with God. Not afraid to die. Not afraid anymore, those things. Then you have peace of God. And that's that peace that passes all understanding. When those terrible times come to us in our lives, then God gives us the peace of God. And we can't explain it because it passes all understanding. And so that comes after you trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. If you're not a Christian, you don't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. And then you'll have the peace of God. And so salvation means peace with God and peace of God. Well, if you brought your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, and we want to look at verse 28 through verse 30. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through verse 30. If you would, let's stand together. Mark 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? In other words, which commandment takes precedent over all the commandments? Which is the greatest commandment out of all the commandments? Jesus, which is the greatest? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is... And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to worship you in song and praise. Now, as we've opened your word, we pray that the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, may touch our hearts, work with us individually and as a church. Pray that you'll speak to our hearts, perhaps, Father, in decisions that we need to make today. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for being here today. We claim your promise that where two or three are gathered, gathered together in your name, you'll be in the midst. And so we thank you for your presence here today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and please be seated. Well, this past Sunday, we, Mountain View Baptist Church, dedicated this building to God. And some of you were at that service. 
And we dedicated this building to God as a place of worship, as a place of personal worship, place of corporate worship where God's people from all over can come together and worship together. We dedicated it as a place to proclaim the infallible, the inspired Word of God. We dedicated this place, a place to proclaim the Word of God, but a place to launch out in evangelism to a world who desperately is in need of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We dedicated a place, this building, to disciple new believers. We dedicated this place as a place to discover and use our spiritual gifts. We dedicated this place to enjoy the sweet fellowship with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. I look forward to coming to church just to see all my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a place that we can just gather together. And I really believe that these areas that I've mentioned are the primary purposes of God building this building. Now... The question that I ask myself is, what is God's purpose for us now? His purpose was first to build it. It's obvious. So what's our purpose? What's his purpose for us now? How do, how do we get from point A to point B? Well, first of all, God's purpose for his church is the same now as it was when Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. We refer to that as the Great Commission. So God's, peop- God's purpose for his church then, when he was on earth, and for us now, hasn't changed. We're to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the question is, how do we get there? How do we do that? How do we reach a lost world for Christ? Let me tell you how. God wants to use you, and you, and you, and you, and me, and all of us, to reach a lost world to himself. Now, in order to reach a world to himself, I jotted down number one, his people, you and I, must love him. You say, well, I love him, Brother Sammy. Do you love him? Do you really love him? Look, if you will, at our text, Mark chapter 12. A scribe came to Jesus having heard them reason together, perceiving that he hadn't answered them well, ask him, which is the first commandment of all? Notice he begins in Deuteronomy 6, he quotes that, and and, uh, that's also called the Shema. He says, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Shuma. You see, the devout Jew then and devout Jews today recite the Shuma twice every day. And the reason they do that 
is to protect them from following false gods in a pluralistic, humanistic world that we live in today. You see, our nation was founded and the laws of our nations were established in the belief that there is one true God. It's on our coin, and God we trust. That's how our nation was founded. That's how our laws that, that our country established. They were established by Judeo-Christian belief, laws. That there is one true God, one living God, one personal God, one Jehovah God. Only one God. Look at verse 30. And he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. You shall love agapu. You shall love. It, agapu simply means to take pleasure in. You are to take pleasure in your God. Just as you would take pleasure in your spouse or your children or your parents. You're to love God, take pleasure. You're to, notice what it says, thou shalt love the Lord, kuros, but here it is Jehovah. Thou shalt love thy God, Jehovah. Jehovah, the self-existing one. There was none before, and there's none, there has not been none since. He's self-existing. The self-existing one. One who has revealed himself as the I am. The one and only. Moses asked God, if Pharaoh should ask who sent me, whom do I say? And he said, just say, I am sent you. I am. There's none other. There's no other. One true God. But how do we love him? If there's one God, how do we love Him? Notice what he says there in verse 30. He says, love the Lord God with all your heart. Your heart, the place of feelings. Also referring to sincerity. You're to be sincere in your love for Him. It's the place of feelings, uh, sincere with thoughts and sincere with your feelings. See, your feelings for your spouse and your feelings for your children and your feelings for your parents, your feelings for your friends, your feelings from, for your church, your pastor, your feelings for God comes from your heart. It's your heart. So love the Lord sincerely with your whole heart. It all comes from the heart. You remember when we sent Valentine's? Or maybe, I never did write a love letter, but some of you may have wrote a love letter. At the end, what would you do? You just drew a little heart. Sometimes, I, or sometimes, uh, someone would put an arrow through that heart. Your feelings come from your heart. Here's the point. You must love the Lord with true heartiness. True heartness. You must love the Lord as opposed to hypocritical and divided affection. I'll love Him sometime. I'll love Him the first Sunday and the third Sunday. 
I love him on Sunday, not the other time during the week. But love him with all your heart. No divided affection. No hypocritical affection. True heartness as opposed to the other. So love him with your heart. And then notice what he says. You love him with your soul. I'm just going to say your entire being. Love him with your entire being. And then love him with your mind. Your mind. In other words, your intellect. He's saying you put your intellect into your love. Um, what do you mean by that? You put your intellect, you put what you know into your love. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Does that make you want to love him more? As you're, you're knowing and you're aware of what Christ has done for you. And you put what you know into your love. You put your intellect into your affection. Based on what you know about God, you're to love God. Your mind. So we're to love Him with our heart. And we're to love Him with our mind. I love Him because I know that He died on the cross for me. That makes all the difference. I love him because I know that I should have been on the cross. I love him because I know one day he's coming back. I know because he's always with me and he never will leave me nor forsake me. Regardless what I'm going through, I put my knowledge, my intellect into my affections. And then, notice what he says. Love him with all my mind, but love him with all my strength. My strength. Strength commands energy. I love Him with total energy. We need to put intensity in our love for God. Love Him with total energy. And when you put all of these together, we're to love God sincerely. We're to love Him fervid. we with a burning zeal, with a burning heart, intelligently and energetically. And so when you love God, you love Him sincere, with a burning heart, intelligent and energetic love. That's what you have. Here's the main point. In order to reach a world for Christ, we as His people must love Him. Now I go back, do you love Christ? Do you love God? Have you evaluated your sincerity? Have you evaluated your burning zeal? Have you evaluated your, your knowledge of God to the point that you would do anything for Him? Have you evaluated how your strength is in regards to being energetic in your love? More than anything else, God wants you and me to love Him more than anything. That's why we were created. You see, the ideal plan for your life and for my life is to have a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have that? That's His plan for our life. You want to know God's purpose and plan for your life? 
first of all, he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Now, for those who have placed their faith and trust in him and have surrendered their lives fully to him as Lord, they have a new life in him. It's different. Matthew 12, verse 30. He says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And so we have eternal life. Well, what is eternal life? Well, look, if you will, to John chapter 17. This may surprise some. John chapter 17. Look, if you will, at verse 3. John 17, verse 3. God's Word says, And this is life eternal. Now you all know what it is. He's fixing to tell us. Well, I tell you what, Brother Sammy, life eternal is living in heaven. Life eternal is walking on the streets of gold or the street of gold. Life eternal is being with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Life eternal is life without end. What Jesus says it is. And this is life eternal. Here it is. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You see... Life eternal, Jesus says, is that you may know. The Greek word there is yoda. Yoda simply means to, get a, to be acquainted with. You're acquainted with Jesus? Know anything about him? Talk to him? Is he an acquaintance of yours? It's not, life eternal is not all about living forever. Life eternal is not about living forever with a, an unending existence, but life eternal is a life of acquaintance with God in Jesus Christ. That's life eternal. Oh, you, you'll live forever. That's part B. But you'll never live forever till you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So it all begins with that relationship. Here's the point. You come to know God when you experience a love relationship with Him for which you were created. That's why He created you. And so therefore, we'll reach our community, we'll reach Phil Campbell, we'll reach our state, we'll reach our nation, we'll reach our world. When you and I love God with all of our heart, true and undivided, with all of our mind that I know and I put my intellect into my love, with all of my strength, my energy, my intensity. That's when we'll reach a world. We won't haphazardly reach a world. Look, if you will, back at Mark chapter 12, verse 30. It's interesting, and I'm closing. Just a few minutes. He says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Now, if you'll notice, that statement by Jesus is addressed to the people of God. It's not addressed to coming Joe. It's not addressed to individuals. 
But that statement's addressed to the people of God. And so the full dimension of God's love is experienced within the context of God's people. You'll never love God as much as God desires you to love Him apart from being with His people. That's what Jesus said. He's speaking to the people. So a church is a people in a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ and one another. Because the second commandment is just like the first, likened to it. Love your neighbors, you said. So God's ideal is for His people to love Him with their total being. And that love relationship God will reveal Himself, and not only will God reveal Himself, but let me say this, God will reveal His power. If you're not experiencing God's power in your life, check your love for God. Because when you love Him, and if a congregation loves Him, like He says to love Him, we will experience His power. We won't be trying to make things happen, but we will experience things happening because He'll be working among us. So, we have dedicated this building to God to worship, to proclaim the Word, to evangelize our community and city, state, the world, train disciples to use our spiritual gifts. But before we can be successful anywhere, we have to just answer a question. Do I love Jesus? Do I love God? Do I have a meaningful relationship with Him? Uh, do I have Him as an acquaintance? Can I talk to Him and visit with Him? Or have I left my first love? Perhaps you've asked Christ to come into your life and save you. And I've noticed this, and the Bible proves this, and we may look at this a little later on in the year, but when you love Christ, you accept Christ as your Savior, the Bible teaches that Christ created us to love Him. We come to a point where we receive Him as Lord and Savior of our life, but then we have a tendency to depart from Him. And then He chastises us, and He brings us back into that love relationship with Him. And we're there for a period of time, and then we have a tendency to depart again, and then he chastises us, and he brings us back to him again. That's the pattern you find throughout Scripture. And so you may have asked Christ to come into your life and save you, and truly have been born again, but for whatever reason, you've departed from him. And so today, he's calling you into a renewed relationship with him, a fresh encounter with him. Fresh encounter. Now, just a few weeks, I'm going to be calling for at least 40 individuals who will be willing to serve as Matthews. Uh, we're going to be taking part in what's known as My Hope with Billy Graham. And we're looking for 40 Matthews. And there will be a commitment Sunday. And if you want to be a Matthew, that's great. You pray. And if God leads you to be a Matthew, you just will, Brother Samuel, what's a Matthew? 
Well, Matthew, after he came to know Christ, the first thing he did, he went home and he had a party. He cooked a meal and invited some of his friends and told them what Jesus had done for him. And so we're going to be looking for at least 40 Matthews that'll be trained to share with their friends and neighbors, work, work associates, what Jesus has done for them. Forty Matthews, be meeting in the homes, your home. You may be a Matthew. And what you'll do, you'll, you'll be trained, you'll open your home, you'll have a little get-together one night, you'll invite maybe some in your neighborhood or some you work with, and, and there's a little DVD. When everybody gets there and everybody's had their finger food or covered dish or whatever you're going to do, you just pop that little DVD in the DVD player. And Billy Graham will preach his last sermon. And he'll give an invitation. And right after he gives an invitation, you might stop. And then you say this. I want to share with you what Christ has done for me in my life. And you share a personal testimony. Isn't that neat? They've done this in 10,000 countries already. November the 7th, they'll be doing it in the United States, and I believe in Canada. And so far, they have averaged two people per household come to know Christ. At least two. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine 40 Matthews out of our church, and we just have the average? It'd be 80 people that comes to know Christ. Isn't that neat? One, if you have five or six, seven or eight, after they hear the gospel. But you see, I want you to be praying. Before we, begin, before we can begin any evangelistic crusade or any evangelistic program, we have to resolve as a body of believers, individually, collectively, do I or do we really love God? Now, this morning, I don't know where you stand with God. I really don't, but he does. He's spoken to your heart. And if you're here today without a relationship with him, that intimate relationship, you've never trusted him as Lord and Savior of your life, you have an opportunity to do that. I'm not asking you to be a Baptist. We'll talk about that later. What I'm asking you to do is to say, you know, the Holy Spirit's convicted me that I'm, that I'm lost, and I don't have a relationship with Christ. And so today, I'm giving my heart and my life to Christ. I'm turning from my sin. I'm trusting in Jesus and Him alone. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket, and that's Jesus. If He don't get me to heaven, nothing's going to get me to heaven. And I'm trusting Him to be my Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, would you be willing to do that today? I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing. But you just walk forward and say, Brother Sammy, I want to be saved today. And I'll share with you some more, some more information. Transfer of membership, you're welcome to do that. But maybe you're here and you've made that commitment, but for whatever reason, kind of got sidetracked. Today you might just want to renew that commitment. Terry's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation.